0: Welcome to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, a weekly discussion about the National Hockey League's Boston Bruins, affiliated minor teams, and prospects of tomorrow's stars.
1: keep it in. Does. Has it in the corner to Sanderson. Back at front door. Shot. Scores! Bobby o- Ray Bork. Scores!
0: Ray Bork from the face-off circle to the right of Reggie Lindley. Bergeron! There are three ways you can support the show. We are available on Apple iTunes, SoundCloud.com, and on the located in the podcast channel of the website. Now, here's your hosts, Mark Allred and Rob Tomlin.
2: Hello, Bruins fans. I'm your host, Mark, and welcome back for the 33rd episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is the Zedano Chara edition. Whether you're a continued supporter or a new listener of the show, we ask that you please give us a comment and rating on iTunes or any podcast you currently use. Now, time to usher in the co host of the program, Mr. Rob Tomlin. Rob, what is happening, my friend?
1: I am very, very good. Awesome. I, uh, still getting over that win from last night so yeah i uh, got to be here ready going to talk some Bruins hockey
2: love it that's so it. all good yeah well, that was a great game last night uh, we will definitely talk about that in our in our last week's um, uh, discussion of uh, games but um, i'm excited to bring back um, a very very good hockey writer that i follow very closely um, and he is making his second appearance on the show. Uh, his name is Brandon Share Cohen, and you could follow him at B Share Cohen on Twitter. And he's a writer for the Causeway Crowd, Bruins writer for the CausewayCrowd.com, and fantasy hockey writer for the HockeyRiders.com. Brandon, welcome back to the show, man. Hey guys, how's it going? Good. I'm excited to have you back. Uh, like I said, I'm a huge supporter. I always follow your stuff and read your read whatever content you have available. And I'm just pumped to have you back on.
3: I appreciate that. I uh, always try and do my best when uh, pumping out content. It's always good to know that people are reading it. I'm definitely glad to be
2: back and talking uh, Bruins talk with you guys. Awesome. Uh, let's get right to it. I know you got a, I know you have a busy schedule, Brandon, and I appreciate your time. So uh, the, the after 18 games, the uh, Boston Bruins are 11, seven and 0 with 22 points. Uh, 3rd in the Atlantic Division, 6th in the Eastern Conference, and 8 points behind conference-leading Montreal Canadiens. Last week, there was only two games, which uh, was just mind-boggling to me after playing 5 and 7, then have a three-day break. I I didn't know what I was going to do with myself. But uh, they played Minnesota on Thursday night and lost a, a heartbreaking game. Honestly, um, with 45 seconds left to go in regulation, uh, Mikhail, oh, I had his name, Uh, Mikhail Grenlin. Fires one in the crease, goes off Adam McQuaid, and unfortunately goes past Tuka that Didn't have a chance to stop it at all. Uh, Thoughts on the game?
1: We at least deserved a point from that game, I think. And for it to end with 45 seconds to go was just horrible. So I think we just we've relied on the offense a lot this year and putting up good scores against teams and that game was just frustrating to watch so many missed opportunities so but it it's one of them games you you get them frustrating games where you just can't do anything about it so it's all good
3: yeah, it's uh, it's probably more upsetting to lose a game one nothing with 44 and a half seconds to go than it is to get blown out five uh, nothing in a game because I mean you're in it the entire time, and it's not like it was a uh, like a huge lapse that caused the goal. It was a uh, bounced off of a body of a player after a long shift uh, for uh, Joe, I think it was Chara and Carla that were on the ice before that. So it's just yeah, like Rob said, disappointed to Not get a point out of it, but uh, you know they had to turn the page on it quickly, which was good. They uh, they seem to do so pretty well in the next game. But yeah, I mean, eleven and seven—it's uh, not bad, considering uh, what people had expected uh, the Bruins to be this year.
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and um, with the uh, the American Thanksgiving coming up this week, this is pretty much you know it—it's it, a lot of uh, the writers and 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 hockey personalities use this as a catalyst for to gauge where. You know the uh, teams are gonna end up in the playoffs and I'm happy to say right now that it's looking good for the bees yeah I agree I think they uh, I mean there's obviously a lot of work to be done
3: uh, it's a lot of to carrying the team and you have I mean there has been some secondary scoring which has been a little better as of late but it's still pretty much the top line that's producing the points um, but yeah, I agree. I think they're looking okay. They're looking better than I think anybody expected them to be at this point. So it's, uh, it's uh, I guess, uh, just a refreshing change of pace from the last two seasons. Sure is. I just think without
1: trade deadline, like acquiring a defenseman, I think we'll see the same as last year where it just drops off towards the end. But that that's only my opinion. I just see... You always see the defense slow down later on in the season, and you get same injuries to guys like Adam McQuaid. So, I mean, I hope they pick someone up. At the same time, they probably won't because we know the Bruins don't seem to like doing deals. So, That's it, true. it's good to see people coming, like stepping up from within, though, because we've seen guys like Morrow starting to play a bit better, and I mean, Carlos played far beyond what anyone thought he would the beginning of the season so I mean it could it could be a different team this year but uh the, I think the real test is later on down the stretch the last 20 odd games so yeah
2: I agree I, I, I also agree and um just to uh, follow up on what Rob said uh the, the defense has really stepped up to me a lot and and in that Minnesota game the one nothing loss uh unfortunate it is there were a lot of good things to be, to be seen from that. And and the, the defense really chipping in um, at times and shutting down a lot of uh, rushes coming into the zone. And going into Saturday's game against the Winnipeg Jets, which I, I thought was going to be a lot closer because the way players like Patrick Lyonnais and Mark Scheifele, those guys have produced so far this season, I thought it was going to be a different outlook. But... The defense showed up in that game, too, and limited the, uh, the Winnipeg Jets to only 12 shots all game. Yeah. And, that is
1: crazy. Right. Especially and with I, the firepower they have.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I was amazed. So when,
1: when you've got guys like Nikolai Ehlers and Patrick Lyonet and guys like that getting on average around five shots a game each, You'd expect a lot more from them, but the defense did a really good job in stopping putts getting to the net and kind of just corralling people down the boards, making them take the long way around, not getting to the front of the net, not getting the shooting opportunities from top of the circles. So I think they really have stepped up in the last four or five games. They're showing a lot different attitude towards how they play. So.
3: I agree, even the Montreal game, like it was obviously a loss, but you had Zane McIntyre in net, and that game came down to the last minute as well. Like, it's, yeah. you're talking about a team that's staying in it until uh until the very end. <clears throat> so that's just it's good to see. It's good to see the team hanging around because I mean in seasons past, you've seen they've either played 20 to 40 minutes and let off the gas for the last 20, or it's been the opposite where they've been asleep for the first 20 to 40 and then have just played in the third. But now it seems like they're kind of, uh, I guess, keeping the same pace throughout the entire game, which I think a lot of it has to do with uh, with Brandon Carlo being on the team because you have a player that's it's finally an addition to the defense you know, the last couple of years. I mean, Colin Miller has been there, but he had a very limited opportunity last year before seeing the press box. Um, but Brandon Carlo, he's been in the lineup consistently since the uh, start of the season, and he's allowed to he's Zotero to play his game a little better, and uh, you've had a nice contrast there. So I think uh, you've seen the defense play better just because you've seen a better, I guess, well-rounded defense on the top pairing than they've had in the past. Yeah and, yeah, and
1: we're seeing a lot more minutes from the bottom six forwards as well, which is it's kind of keeping every forward line fresh so they can help out on the back end as well because there seems to be a lot of help coming on the back check as well.
2: Yeah, so, and one, one of them is a surprising one for me is... Uh, uh New Hampshire native, uh, a Merrimack New Hampshire native, Tim Schaller. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He, uh, but uh, just going back to the last night's game a little bit, um, there was a lot of good contributions, too, from, from the, uh, the, the uh, top, of the offensive lines. Uh, it was good to see Bolesky snap a, a three-game goal streak. Uh, Marshan got his sixth goal, uh, snapped a five-game goal streak. And Bergeron pinched in snapping a six-game goal of streak, too. Yeah, well,
3: that's the thing. Like I said before, you had the top line that was producing offense. They kind of slowed down a bit, but then you nailed it by saying the fourth line or, like, just the bottom six specifically has been uh, really stepping up. I mean, Tim Schaller, what a story for him. You know, coming in, no one really expected it. I mean, Last year, if I asked you who the bottom six would be, there's no chance Tim Schaller would have been in your – even anywhere yeah. close to what you would be thinking. And then, you know, the Bruins end up getting him and uh, – contributed right out of the gate.
1: And that that was a really good shot by him as well. Oh, a really good decision. Because he, he had the open lane for the pass. But you, you could see the goaltender was ready to cheat on that pass.
2: Oh yeah, it was, he, he was kind of
1: Yeah, and then he just ripped it. And it, it was one of them that's like just above the elbow, so if the if the goaltender's trying to get his blocker up to it, it's too late. It's in the net, so... That was a good, good decision by him. And then, I mean, Chara, two assists on the night as well. And then uh, Krug with that, uh, that pass from his own zone, the stretch pass. That was a, that was a good play. So
3: oh, man. something the team needs more of is those stretch passes.
1: Oh yeah, that right. that's how the NHL's changing now. It's more zone to zone passes and a lot deeper play. So. I think the Bruins haven't really used that up until now, so it's good to see it happening. But with with only having a guy like Tory Krug able to make them plays, it limits it a lot. So
3: yeah, he's been... I think Wild is able to as well. They don't use it as much, but uh, yeah. at the end of last year, when we when the Bruins acquired him, he uh, he made a few plays where it was just like instantly worth the trade. I feel.
1: Yeah, I remember his first point was the. Uh... He made a pass straight down the centre of the ice. I think it was to Marchand. And that was basically from behind his own net. And that was a perfect play. Right. So, I mean, he he is a a really good passer, but it just seems like they're using him as one of those, like, veteran teacher-type players where he'll sit on the bottom pairing and he's kind of more of a shutdown role and letting the, the younger guy do the offensive work, so... It, yeah, it's and, a shame to see that.
2: So. And when uh, and when Krug's able to, and he's had a controversial season so far. And and you know he's got good points and he's got bad points. We, we we've all seen it. But when he pinches down low, he's getting snake bitten. It's just tough to see him miss like practically open net goals, hitting the post, hitting high glass, or just a ridiculous save from um, an outstretched goaltender. Yeah and uh, it,
1: like I said with Beleski, and the third line as soon as those goals start going in that's when it'll start rolling for him his confidence will come back, it'll get better I think he's just, like a lot of people say when when you're on a like goal drought you start to grip your stick a bit too hard and when you get them opportunities you're overthinking it so as soon as he gets one he'll start getting more so.
3: I agree um, before we get too far off the topic of the bottom six and the fourth line, uh, Dominic Moore has really impressed me this season. Yes. He's had uh, yep. he's just had a great uh, impact on the team. I mean, he's what fourth on the team in points, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and he's got four goals, so he's up there on the team as well. And his faceoff percentage, he's, uh, he's at fifty-seven percent. So he's having a very good season for the team. I and uh, he's
1: showing off skills that people didn't expect either, yep. because. He's shown some filthy hands out there. <laughs> and I'll definitely uh, getting around quite a few players with that, so
2: And I'll definitely, I'll definitely call myself out. I ripped Don Tweeney in management on signing him because of his age and what I've seen from you, know, games that he's participated in, obviously against the Bruins. Uh, but uh, obviously I didn't pay enough attention to his overall game, and uh, didn't give him the credit. So um, eat my words, folks, yes, I do. We are wrong sometimes. But we're always wrong about something. But what we're not wrong about, and I ha- we have to do the tuka love because we do this. This is what we do. Thirteen okay. games played, eleven and two, a one point four six goals against average, a 0. 0.946 save percentage, and three shutouts. He's been unbelievable. Love it, love it. All right, that's enough of that. Enough <laughs> of the man crush. But uh, go ahead, Brandon. You want to touch on yeah, that? Just,
3: yeah, Rask has been... I mean, I've always been a huge fan of Rask. Um, obviously, you're talking about a player that's proven that he's one of the top goals in the league year after year. It seems he had one bad year with... Uh, it wasn't even a horrible year. It was a worse year than what we're used to with him. Uh, he wasn't as, I guess, reliable as he was in years past. But you're also talking about a t- uh, the same media and fan base that are talking about a team that has no defense. Mm-hmm. So when you put... You know, you say he has a bad... Defense, and then you say the goalie isn't playing well, what's wrong with him? I think you're answering your own question by saying, well, the team has no defense. Yeah. And you look at uh, Rask now, I don't know if it's just some of the uh, players like either Mil- uh, Miller or Morrow who are stepping up a little more, although Miller's been very unpredictable. I think he's been fun to watch. I'm a big fan of Colin
2: Miller. Me too. Uh, I am too. I am too, but, you know, being sat the last three of, uh, I believe, three games as, uh, uh, kind of getting a little meat but Morrow's really stepped in nicely I agree but then you have like Brandon Carl
3: like I mentioned earlier who's stepped in very nicely he's already looked like a, a player that's that's been in the league for a few years and he's 19 years old and defense is a hard position but once you have players like that that are stepping up a little bit and you have players like Marshall and Bergeron and Pasternak who are just dominating possession numbers this year among others but those players specifically uh, it helps out Rask a lot and then you have Rask able to uh, see the play more. I can't remember what the stat is exactly, but I know it's like 17% less uh, high-danger shooting percentage against Rask this year so far, and his save percentage is way up as a result. Obviously, mm-hmm. so yeah. it's it's good to see him getting the help. It's good to see him, I guess, returning to form. And uh, I'm glad people are starting to realize again that he's uh, he's one of the top goalies in the league. And there's there's really no denying that. And
1: then, and the good thing is that he's on pace for yet another 30-win season.
0: You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com.
1: Without any injuries or anything happening, but, I mean, I, I can't remember what it was last year, but I know, is that, was it three seasons in a row with 30 wins in each season?
2: I believe yeah, so. Which
3: guess, was just three in
2: a row. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so that and and that was a record for Bruins goaltenders. I think he's like third goaltender to do it for the Bruins or something. Nice. So, I mean, it he's a great goaltender, and like people have beat on him for like the last two years during a retool where we've not had the best team in the league. And if you look around the league now, you got some teams out there that have an amazing defensive core but their goaltender's letting soft ones in and then you go back to last year and look at Rask and they, most of them weren't soft ones if you've got a guy all alone at the top of the hash marks and he's got like three seconds to stop, look up pick a corner and shoot it then they're going to score so
2: absolutely uh. Moving along, we're gonna talk about some injuries. Um, the, the everybody knows that Frank Petrino's out with a foot injury; won't be back till presumably late December. Kevin Miller's got a hand injury; he's skating, although not with the team practice. He's doing uh, uh, skating workouts afterwards. Noel Chari a lower body. Uh, I'm not sure if he's skating yet. But the, uh, the important one to me is uh, David Pasternak right now. And uh, I I totally forgot. I wrote a note somewhere, and I don't know where I put it. But does, do any of you guys remember that hit against the boards where he kind of got his, his – it looked like he got his bell rung. Do you remember what yep. game it was? was that I don't the... remember the
3: game talking about, but I do remember that. It was uh, kind of yeah. Uh, dazed.
2: Yeah, but yeah. obviously that could contribute to his upper body injury, which he's been out for the last three. Yeah. So um, he's he was at practice. He was with the team today, but did not participate in the, the the you know overall practice. But was on the ice afterwards to to work with coaches. So that's a great great sign. Got to get that kid back because um, I, you know, I can't go a week this season without saying that I'm just totally surprised about his effort and what he did over the summer to build himself up and to be more committed to being a, an overall player um, when the past ye- two years, or uh, past year, it was kind of, he was uh, injury-prone and just kind of underweight and bouncing off of players. Yeah, yeah the, th- the thing about the past track is when he was
3: drafted, he was drafted as a two-way player, well as they had uh, a good nose for the net a lot of offensive ability then when he first came into the league obviously he was 18 years old like you said he was six feet tall give or take but he was 150 pounds soaking wet uh then you saw him gaining weight over the years still kind of weak on the stick when he was uh i guess alone on the boards trying to make plays so he had a lot of turnovers like that Uh, he put up the offensive numbers but this year it looks like he's uh He's stronger on the stick. He's gained the weight to, uh, I guess, the muscle to just put up a fight along the boards in the dirty areas of the ice. And, I mean, it's showing now. And he's he's showing that he can shoot as well. like He's finally starting to take those shots more and more. And, I mean, more than anything, he's just hovering around the net and he's getting those rebounds. It's, that's what the Bruins have been missing over the last few years, is the guy that's just going to bury rebounds. And, yeah. uh, I mean, 10 goals in 14 games. The guy's 20 years old. It's uh hopefully they can get him under lock for a long time but yeah we definitely uh, would like to see him back in the lineup soon
1: yeah well to me it just seems more like a kind of protection type thing keeping him out of the games because he's a player that you can't miss out on for a long time you've got to keep him healthy so it's probably a playable injury but with guys like that you've got to give him time to rest and have him at 100% because right. he's not he's not a Bergeron. He's not gonna go out there and play no matter what. If he gets injured even more, then you lose him for months at a time. So, I mean, let the guy rest, let him recuperate, and while we're winning games, that's the best time to do it.
2: And and like, I agree. And like we said about Rask uh, about a week or two ago, when he was out, um, yeah. this this is the time to rest players like that. You you know, you're you your. I'm not saying all stars as in league wide, but your team. You're all stars on your team. this is the time to do it. You don't want to be doing this in in February March, and April, so yeah,
3: you also want to do it like Rob said when your team is rolling, if you have one player sitting out like past that because he's you know maybe not hundred percent, the team still put up four goals against Winnipeg, and uh obviously we've mentioned how they much they limited them uh in their own zone, so you're talking about a team right now that's rolling uh I mean, the only loss that we've had recently came against Montreal, and like we said, that was a very close one as well. So if yeah. they're rolling, they might as well let pass and rest up and make sure he's good to go. Because again, he is still 20 pounds. He is still just getting into... Uh, he's coming into his own in terms of his new muscle mass that he added, obviously. So he's got to make sure that he's not uh, overexerting himself. He's not going to further any injury. So yeah, we're you're talking about it. it's still pretty early in the season. The team's rolling don't uh, don't force anything at this point.
1: Yeah, don't want you don't want any reason out there why you didn't get to the playoffs. You don't want to think back and go, "Oh, well if I'd rested him for two games and then we had him for the rest of the time and he didn't get injured." Right? So yeah, it's definitely definitely the right
2: time to do it. So, um with the November month coming to a close, we still got 10 more days um, and uh, we just talked about Frank Vetrano, who's still injured with a foot injury. Um, a, a listener brought up a question um, over the week to me in an email. And it was asking about when Vetrano comes back and assume that, let's just let's just say AHL is not an option. OK, because I, I believe that probably would be a good idea to step him in slow and then work him back into the NHL. I really don't like the idea of bringing him right into the NHL, bam, and then there's there's a high probability of of being injured again. Or failure. Exactly. Very well said. So let's just say the AHL is not an option. If he comes back on the NHL roster, NHL Bruins roster, who goes? Who leaves? Who sits and, you know, who needs to make a spot for him? Well, Well, the issue is. You can go ahead, Rob. Sorry.
3: Oh,
1: sorry. I was just about to say, you've got... you got Curley up there at the moment, who is going to go down whenever someone comes back from an injury. So that's... And you've got, like, what, four guys out injured? Yeah. So you're going to have to... I think they've got one spot available, and then they need to make room for three more guys. So basically, with with Curley taking one of them spots, you've you've probably got two guys that need to go down. So, uh, it all depends. It, if shallow goes a bit gun-shy and he's not putting up the points, do you, do you put him on waivers and send him down? Because I don't know who you could send down within the defense corps that isn't going to get claimed. Because Colin Miller is on an NHL contract, so... He'll definitely be on waivers, and I guarantee he'd get claimed if he went down. Yep. And then tomorrow get claimed. Yep. So, and you can't, you can't really send Carlo down when he's playing like he is. Right. So, I, I just don't know, but I think, I think they're gonna have to make the decision on. Like, they need points, so they need to try and wave as little as possible maybe make a trade I'd rather do
3: that than wave someone mm-hmm. my only oh. issue is the fact that you have uh... so if I'm just going to reshuffle the lines around a bit here your top line is obviously going to be Marchand, Bergeron and then nice on your top line right wing Yeah. your second line center is Krejci that's yeah. solid Backus is the right wing on that line Spooner is the left winger there uh, I guess he could move down a line so just assume he's down a line. Forget about him right now. You plug Vitrano into that second line next to Craigie and Backus. So you've got a wicked shot. You've got a guy to protect him with a small frame in Backus. You've got Craigie who's one of the elite playmakers in the game. <clears throat> then you have Nash, who's currently playing top line right wing. You put him back at third line center. And then you have Matt Bolesky playing on the left wing on that line. I don't know if you want to move Bolesky down to the fourth line or if you want to move Spooner to the third line right wing. But Spooner could be that third-line left-winger or right-winger, depending where Veleski yeah. goes. Um, that would move Dominic Moore back to the fourth-line center spot. And then you have, I guess Jimmy Hayes would be the odd man out there, which I'm sure most <laughs> people would be happy to hear. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was reading a stat earlier today. I think it was the Bruins stat Twitter account. Oh, is that
2: the 5-on-5? Five five? Yeah. Oh, it's, that it's, was cr-
3: it's, crazy. Go I ahead, mean, Brandon. Nugent Hopkins and Placanic, It's The stat's... The tweet says, Nugent Hopkins, Placanek, and Jimmy Hayes are the only NHL forwards that have 29 plus five versus five shots on net without one finding its way in. (laughs) So for Nugent Hopkins, that's obviously just a slump. Uh, The guy is obviously a former first overall pick. He's never shown any reason to not believe that he can be a top six player. Thomas Placanek has been, I mean, since he signed his contract, he's definitely slowed down. Uh, He's been, he's just been almost invisible in terms of goal scoring for the Canadians. So that's more than a slump, I'd say. And I mean Jimmy Hayes. He's obviously has controversy with the team. And I advocated for him earlier in the season, uh, saying as long as people have a smaller expectation for him, he'll do better. But then you look at his points, and it's just how do you justify having that player in the lineup each and every day? He's not going to hit. He's not going to score. He's not going. He's zero points in 16 games. He's a minus nine. So I think you have to bench him and let him uh, let him realize that he's not playing the potential. And then Vitrano, like you said, if AJL's not an option, he goes in the lineup. Uh-huh. And then you have options after that. If he starts, you know, like we said, there's a big chance of failure or injury. Uh, I think more failure just because... And I don't mean he's going to be a horrible player. I just mean that you're putting a guy who's missed months, I mean, to start the season, so he hasn't played in forever at this point. Uh, you put him right back into the, the middle of the season, you're talking about a very difficult task for a young player like that. So it's very likely that he'll fail if they do that. So Jimmy Hayes, he'll be in the press box for a bit, but if the doesn't play well, or like Rob said, if Schaller doesn't play well, or someone doesn't play well, there are definitely options to move people around. And the Bruins have enough centers to move other centers like Schaller or even Nash more. Anyone can go on the wing. Like That's not really an issue for the Bruins.
2: All right, now, I, I, I do appreciate what you're saying, Brandon, and I like the, 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 the whole shuffling theory, but... Do you mess with chemistry? That's the issue,
3: is you never want to mess with chemistry. But I also don't think you put Vetrano in the fourth line. Right. Because then he's just, all he is is an offensive player. Not yeah. you know, taking anything away from him as a player in general. He's shown that he can play two-way in the AHL. But my point is, you're not putting a guy like Vetrano in the lineup so he can stop a goal for you. Mm-hmm. You're putting him in there so he can take a shot on net, or six or seven, like he's shown he's like to do. So he can
2: produce. Yeah, create something offensively.
1: Exactly. You don't want to limit his minutes to the point where he's not getting the opportunities to get the shots on there. Because then you're taking his entire game away from it.
3: Another option (laughs) would be to put Nash on the third line with Spooner and uh, Bolesky. Or if you want to put the two young guys together with Spooner and Vitrano, that's an option. But I don't think anybody wants to see Spooner, Vitrano, and Nash together on a line where. I mean, Nash has been a very good player for the Bruins so far this season. I've liked what he's done for us. Fast. But, exactly. Very fast. Very dependable. And gritty. Then you're talking about the same thing where you have just Ryan Spooner's center. He hasn't proven to be a defensive-minded center whatsoever. Uh, I love his game, just not defensively. So putting him on the wing seems to be best for him. And then you have Vetrano, who's obviously, like we said, an offensive-minded player. So I don't really want to mess with that and... See how many goals against happen. Like we said, Rask's having a great year because of the, the play in front of him. If you mess with that too much, that could change.
2: So, yeah, that's that's a lot of good good information. Thank you, Brandon. Um. Uh. So, let's um. You guys got anything else about the NHL before I try to move on?
1: Uh, no. I will. I'll i'll mention one thing there's been i know someone was saying they wanted some trade rumor talk being brought into the whole show but yeah yeah they, we mentioned the that one last thing week. yeah the one thing that i have seen this week is ryan murphy for the hurricanes I is saw apparently that. available and being shopped
2: i saw that and, too
1: yeah and if you are gonna have to wave guys going down the line that are probably going to get picked up. Why don't you trade for a guy like that who probably just needs a change of scenery?
2: Yeah, I and mean, a for former first-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. 12th yeah. overall, I believe. Yeah, nice, nice. Look at and that. It,
1: if, you want in, if you want in puck transition defenseman, oh. then that's the perfect guy to go after because that's his main style of play.
3: And if you're talking about a guy like Adam McQuaid, who's very clearly a bottom-pairing defenseman, you put him on the bottom pairing. Ryan Murphy slots up in the, uh, on the second pairing. And in that situation, do you put Krug on the bottom pairing with the Quaid still and then move Lyles up to the second spot on the left, uh, the left side? So yeah,
0: least... because
1: I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have Krug. and.
0: You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com.
1: Uh, Murphy. Murphy together if they were on the same team because two small-bodied defensemen that are going to get bullied around a lot by bigger teams in the league.
3: And so. they're more offensive than defensive.
1: No, yeah. And once they yeah.
2: once they have open ice, they, I mean, they're, they're going to be very good together. But you know, pinching in down low near the near the crease, you're just going to get pushed around from bigger players.
1: But the thing is, it changes the power play option as well sure. because you don't need Krejci on the point. There, then you can have Krejci down low you can have Ryan Murphy and Tory crew together on the point for the power play. And also, There's an interesting
3: uh, thing you just said there. Sorry, uh, um, Mark. No problem. But with uh, last year, the power play was so successful because you had Louis Erickson right in front of the net and his hands were so smooth that he could just catch a pass and immediately uh, stick handle around the goal and get into the net. Yeah. Mm-hmm. David Back is there. He's obviously a more physical player, but if you have a guy like Krejci in front, his hands are very slick. Maybe that's yeah. what the Bruins need. But uh, it's uh,
1: not just about screening; it's about actually getting the puck into the back of the net
2: after the exactly. screen. Exactly, it's five people that are supposed to be able to score. Yeah. The uh, the insurgence of uh, Jimmy Hayes to the power play recently has been quite um, unimpressive, <laughs> and um, still mind boggled on why he's on there. Uh, just the big body. Because they're I guess.
1: trying to they're trying to get him points. They're trying to get him off the line, and <laughs> they they want to get him going, but. That's not a way to do it. increases
2: trade value <laughs> <laughs> no
1: I yeah think look
3: look how many
2: minutes he's playing
3: <laughs> right <laughs> increases value so the uh the coaching staff doesn't look bad for not sitting up sooner yeah
2: no like, i wrong I, wrong. I gotta i gotta say something i just and, and, and it's go going a little off the board and unbruins related but um do you think like names like ryan murphy and and others on the Carolina hurricanes are stemming from the recent news of that the owner is aggressively? looking to sell the team and relocate? Ryan I Murphy he actually... is from
1: his play. It is He's not been playing well. Uh, I, I watch the occasional game when there's no Bruins game on or when there's it's the only thing I can find. Um, he hasn't been playing great. He's been sitting a lot. And when you've got a first-round draft pick sitting on the bench or up in the stand, sorry, like you might as well move him. Especially if he's sitting that much time, so I mean guys like that no, but well the top guys, maybe. I don't think a lot of players like relocating. So no.
3: I'm also but, not sure how much real estate there is. Like I know that it was said, but I think it's also more of just a business ploy. I yeah. think there's something underlying to it. I don't think the the owner actually has any intentions of relocating but I mean, it is possible. Obviously, we've seen, you know, owners make statements before, and sometimes there's nothing to it, and sometimes there's legitimate uh, claims to follow up on. But uh, no, I, I agree with Rob when he said that it's more the play for yeah. a guy like Murphy. Well, but I, again, he's a 23-year-old defenseman.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't Give hit his own yet. Time. Yeah. I I know the owner of the Carolina Hurricanes is, is interested in selling a a a a big chunk of shares. Just to get yeah. to get out of it and move on, but you know, I'm I'm not sure if anybody wants to buy a team that they can't um, almost fill a building. Uh, it's not like it used to be, and I happen to know somebody that's down in North Carolina that, that covers the team, and and he just it's like the building's empty. There's no there's no there's nothing good about it anymore. I mean, you know, there's not people out there tailgating this and that. So you know, you never know. That could be the team that moves. Quebec is ready. They have the they have the arena that. and everything, so I'll vouch for that. All right, um, time to go to my favorite part of the the um, the program. I love all the program. I just I'm a big prospect guy, so so am I. All right, uh, let's go to Providence Bruins. Providence Bruins are five six three and one with fourteen points. Uh, not overly doing very well again this season, like I've said in many uh, podcasts prior. They're sixth in the Atlantic Division second-to-last, 11th in the Eastern Conference. And on Friday night, they lost to Lehigh Valley in a... In a it was a pretty back-and-forth game, 4-3 to three in overtime. Uh, Malcolm Subban takes the loss. And last night, the, um, in an interesting game, uh, Anton Hudobin was sent down to Providence to uh, play in last night's game against the Springfield... Thunderbirds and got a 5-4 to four shootout win. He made 34 saves on 38 shots and like I said he's down in a conditioning stint. Uh, I watched that whole game and to be honest I was not impressed. He looked like he struggled. Um, he was playing the puck when he shouldn't have. He got caught once um, wandering and like pretty much passed it to the wrong guy and then just wasn't in the net to to um, recover. So I, I believe he's going to need a little more time, and it's good yeah. because McIntyre will get uh, a little more time in the NHL. But um, That's
3: what I, There's a lot of the times when uh, you have a goalie, like a Subban or a McIntyre, and people will say it's better to uh, play them in the AHL so they can get consistent playing time, which is valid definitely uh it's better to play than not play but I think for McIntyre he's obviously not ready to play in the NHL yet as a starter so I think it's good to let him sit there and obviously like Ban is down there in the minors right now he's gonna get the majority of the starts so if you have McIntyre right now sitting behind Rask he gets to see the uh I guess the speed of the game he gets to learn from one of the best goaltenders in the business he gets to learn from the big team staff uh, I think it's good for him right now like you said he gets to see the game uh, from a I guess like a more first-hand perspective than it would if he was in Providence. So I like that he's getting some time as the uh, the backup. Even if Rask is going to become a workhorse again and he's going to carry the team, it's nice to see the uh, the rookie getting a uh, getting his opportunity there to learn. As for Hidobin, I'm not sure if it's just because he's coming off the injury, or if it's just you know nerves in his first game back. He obviously hasn't been great for the the big club this year either. I think it's a 410 goals against average something like that yes and it's like an under 850 save percentage yes which i'm a big fan of adobin but i can't defend those numbers obviously and when rask comes in obviously he's lights out mm-hmm. so it's not like the team in front of him is they're, they're not the, the reason the goals are going in they can be a part of it but if rask can stop them that's not to say rask and adobin are the same quality of goaltender but adobin is still an initial goaltender but there is something to be said about the fact that Malcolm Subban has also struggled in Providence. So is it more of an issue of two goaltenders struggling, or is it an issue of the Providence team not helping their uh, goaltender?
2: Well, that's that's a that's a very good segue, Brandon. And I've had conversations with people that are are close to the Providence Bruins team, and a friend of mine actually reached out to me. Uh, her name is Rhonda LaBush. Very, very nice woman, interesting woman, and she knows her hockey, and I, I was quite surprised in having a conversation with her, but um, she's huge on the Boosters Club, and she's huge on um, all the um, um, the stuff that the Providence Bruins do for charities and so on, and uh, she was actually telling me that in all the events that she goes to, there's no goalie coach. Hmm. Does that surprise you at all? Because now, now it surprises me because I've I, I've I've heard from other teams that they do have goalie coaches that travel and blah blah blah, but since Boston and Providence are so close, is Bob Asenza, the NHL goalie coach only making time for players when uh, at his convenience? That that to me is is kind of a confidence issue. I would believe not having somebody there all the time, and basically taking directions in practice from. A defensive and, and a defensive coach and a and a forward coach.
3: Yeah, I can see what you're saying there, and then that would also tie into the fact that McIntyre is getting, I guess, first hand treatment now from a, exactly from a goaltender coach. That's definitely good for his development. I wasn't aware they didn't have a a goaltender coach in Providence, but I wasn't uh...
2: either until I looked into it, and and it, yeah, it, I they don't. Maybe it's because the proximities are so close that you know. If need be, if somebody's not, you know, if say if Malcolm Subban's not doing so good that, you know, he can just drive down 95 and easily go and see him. But I just, I don't know. I, when I was growing up playing hockey, and I'm, I, I'm a goaltender. Rob's a goaltender. I, I was, we always had the goalie coaches right there with us at all times, game time and practices. So, and, and it was always good for me. I mean, I didn't make it to the NHL, but, you know.
3: I go and watch some junior games here and there, like junior A, junior B games. And you always see the uh, whenever there's I guess intermission or there's a whistle for a timeout or whatever it may be, the team will get together, the goal around the head coach, uh, they'll do the talking, and the two goalies will get together. So if the goalies are always going to be kind of in their own bubble, doing their thing, telling each other what they see, I'd imagine that's easier. at the bigger levels like the AHL, the NHL, if you have a guy that's his whole job is to look out for you and say, okay, maybe you know watch your lateral movements, watch your blocker side. Hey, your gloves a little low out there you know it's yeah. it's important to have that the person that's specifically watching you if you look at uh, even you know football for example American football Rob um, yep. you're talking about you know just so many position coaches and it's you could have very similar roles but everybody needs to have their own attention for what they're doing one man so a head coach can't uh, you, you, they can't dictate every single thing. Every player has to do on the ice. They can't tell you what every player is doing right, what every player is doing wrong. They, and it's, it wouldn't be fair to expect that of them either. So even for Bob Asenza and the, I mean the Providence goalies, it's not fair for them to have to go out of their way to uh, to go and see him. And it's not fair to him to have to monitor every Providence game while also monitoring the Bruins games. And I think for I mean obviously the Bruins they have a very wealthy owner ownership group, with the uh, the Jacob family. I think one more salary wouldn't make or break them. And, I mean, it could help, like you said. Like, you're talking about a team that the goalies have been struggling. So if you want to talk about a change, maybe give them the attention they need.
2: Yeah, I agree.
0: You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. You can catch our show on the Hockey Writers Podcast channel, available at thehockeywriters.com.
2: All right. uh, The Providence Bruins travel to the XL Center in Hartford, Connecticut today. And they play the Hartford Wolfpack at 5 o'clock. Dan Validar is expected to get the start per uh, head coach Kevin Dean. And real quick, I'm just going to go through this because we're running out of time. Uh, uh, pl- um, notable players in Providence in the AHL. Wayne Simpson's got um, 9 points in 10 games. Peter Kalharic is uh, doing very well with uh, 11 points in twelve in his last 12 games. Jake DeBras, kind of disappointing, but um, uh, if you, if you can see him play without looking at his stats, he is doing good things. I think the offense will come sooner or later, uh, whether it be this year or next, I'm not sure. Uh, also, Danton Heinen is another mention. He's got six uh, points in seven games. He's another player that's doing a lot of different things that you didn't see him do in the NHL level, but um, just because his points aren't there doesn't mean he's not doing good. I agree. For for Denton Heinen, you that's uh, a player that uh he's
3: got a lot of offensive ability. Uh he's a little undersized, so defensively he's gonna have to gain the uh the weight to have more weight on his stick, similar to a passion that I have to do. But I'm a big fan of Heiden in his game. I watched him a lot when he played in Denver and uh I mean he came out of nowhere. And you know, like you said, when he got sent down to Providence, he's got what, three goals and six points, I think it is. In uh yep. seven or eight games. I think it's seven games. Yep. So he's, uh, he's been very good, he's been very solid for the team. As for Jake DeBrusque, it's easy to look at a player's stat line and say, well, you know, this guy's a first-round first, uh, first round pick. He's known for his offense and his goal scoring, and he has, what, two goals in 15 games. And it's not like he's putting up assists either. He has five points. But it's like you said, the, he's, he's built around his all-around game. He's setting up plays. He's got a heads-up attitude. He seems to know what he's doing on the ice. I think it's just it's a new league. It's a new uh, it's his first time playing at the professional level, so I think it'll come in time. I don't think it'll be this year, but I mean he could turn things around very quickly and get on the score sheet. For uh, for Peter Salayric, I don't know that he's ever going to be a full-time NHL player, but he's been very fun to watch for Providence this year. Oh yeah, he's just been making plays happen, and it's been it's been entertaining to say the least.
2: Um, so uh, real quick on the Canadian Juniors. I'm not going to go through everything I've written. I'm just going to... Uh, Zach Seneshin, uh is on a four-game point streak. He's got two goals, four assists, six points. Um, Jeremy Lawson is currently on a four-game pointless streak. Jakub Borl, currently on a four-game point streak, two goals, three assists, five points. Uh, Jesse Gabriel, still still doing it. In his last <laughs> six games, he's got five goals and one assist, six points for a total of 11, 9, and 20. Uh, the, killing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's going to be, I think he's he's going to make a huge step, and I believe the AHL will be beneficial to him next year. Right. I agree. Real quick, the NCAA, I only got one guy that I, I really pointed attention to because there wasn't really anybody doing any points, um, but I had to mention Charlie McAvoy. Uh, from Boston University in 11 games. He got a goal, 8 assists, 9 points, and he got his first multi-point game on 11-12 with a goal 2-assist effort against Michigan. And uh, first round picks, first round pick, Trent Frederick of the University of Wisconsin. Amazing. He's, yeah, he's got eight games, 8 games played, 4 goals, 6 assists, 10 points, but on Thursday was injured in practice and left the uh the rank with an upper body injury per coach Tony Granado. So hopefully he gets better. He is not gonna be available for this weekend's games against Merrimack College and Mr. Granado also mentioned that he could be uh, extra time after that. So we, we hope the best for Trent because uh he's a good player. Yeah, it's been I mean after all the criticism that uh
3: uh, the Bruins took for drafting him. He's just been a totally different player uh, since. I mean, when he played for the national development team, he wasn't a point producer whatsoever, and now he's over a point a game.
2: Yeah, and he's fun. And he comes from that, that the new hotbed of hockey t- talent of uh, St. Louis, Missouri. They're producing yeah. they're producing players.
3: Just to go back on what you were saying, some of the uh, the prospects. Uh, yeah, Jesse Gabriel. He's obviously been. What a story! After being drafted in the fourth round, Uh, projected to be pretty much a fourth liner, he's looked great. Um, Zaboral after a 20-point season last year, he's at the 14 points in 15 games this year. So you're talking about a huge step up offensively and defensively. He's still playing a very sound game. Uh, Jeremy Lozo, he has I think he's had a four-game pointless streak, but I mean he's lost six points in seven games. So as from a defenseman, uh, the points will come. I think the more important part is that he's still moving the puck. He's doing a very good job with uh, with the Huskies. I can say firsthand, he's doing a very good job on the back end there. Um, and if you're talking about Charlie McAvoy from BU. You've also got uh, JFK. You know, Jacob Forsbacka Carlson. He's up to ten points in eleven games, and he's still playing his game. Uh, very similar style of Patrice Bergeron, as everyone's mentioned, and he's been fun to watch. One guy that nobody seems to mention is Anders Bjork. Playing for Notre Dame, he's been very good since the Bruins drafted him in the fifth round.
2: Oh, I, I, we, we, I've mentioned him and so on, but uh, with uh, with so much going on to into this show, I just wanted to get guys that were actually doing, I mean, producing points in the last, you know, a couple of days to a week, and he's Ryan. been kind of quiet, so I just didn't want to get. I, there, there's so many prospects I could take a I could take a whole hour talking about them.
3: <laughs> I could
2: do. <laughs> but um, okay.
3: Yeah, for Björk, it's just he's a player that I feel doesn't get enough uh, credit from the media or from Bruins, uh, the fan base itself. You know, you have a guy that's over a point a game. Uh, last year was a point a game. I think look out for big things from him uh, soon, maybe in the AHL soon. Right.
2: Rob, anything?
1: Uh, yeah, about Björk. I saw an article on Twitter the other day that was titled The Forgotten Bruin and when I clicked on it it was about him so I think a lot of people have forgotten that he's Bruins property but I mean it's good to see guys doing well I mean not everyone's going to do well every week so I mean guys like Jeremy Lawson he's only going to get more points later on down the stretch so I I never worry too much with a guy like that because he's got the drive to push himself it's it's more guys that don't have the drive when they get pointless streaks. That's when you start to worry. So yep. I'm, I'm excited for these guys. I really am, and we're gonna see quite a few of them this end of this year in Providence. So, it'll be good.
2: Well, we got about ten minutes remaining, and we really want to thank uh, Brandon for coming along. Thank you so much, bud. Um, you've really dropped a lot of good knowledge and. We would definitely have you back. But uh, at this time, I'd like to uh, just, just um, do some uh, listener feedback. And we got an email and one Apple iTunes um, feedback. The email comes from listener Wayne Haley. Uh, it says, Mark and Rob, I've been listening to the show since some time this past summer, and I love your analysts on, on our Bruins. You guys keep things positive while other podcasts, especially Boston Radio Personalities, F and M. That's all I'm going to say. You guys can figure it out. F and M <laughs> on a certain number near 99 and before ni- and after 97. Uh, do nothing but rip them. Thanks for the great content. And Steve and I are looking forward to future episodes with the Brit and Grit. Um, that's awesome. Thank you very much, Wayne. And Wayne actually has his own weekly podcast that I'd like to plug a little bit. And he does with uh, co-host Steve Ball called the, the Hockey Nuts Podcast. Wayne is a Bruins fan and Steve is a Rangers fan, but both get together for uh, a talk about their respected teams and are well-versed in other topics surrounding the NHL. I started listening to the, their show last week and added them to my weekly listens and highly recommend that the fans of our show do the same. Thanks for the email, Wayne. That was a very good, good feedback. And one from iTunes... Uh, it's from bees fan in NC on November 18th. It says uh, Mark and Rob provided great service to Bruins fans everywhere. Each week they provide weekly updates in entire Bruins through the entire Bruins organization, from the NHL team all the way down to the prospects playing in the NCAA. For deep updates, there's no better place to turn for sorry to turn for the Bruins news than the Brit Grit. That's it. Uh,
1: that nickname is starting to stick now, isn't it? It is.
2: It's getting, it's getting like, you know, I, I think we might be trending on, on, on Twitter. <laughs> I think we should start doing I the hashtag. Definitely... I think we should start doing hashtag yeah. every episode we release, hashtag Brit and yeah. Grit. We'll
1: get it up there. <laughs> get it going.
2: All right, Brandon, we're going to let you go because I know you've got a lot of things to do and we really, really appreciate you being on. Um, tell us where you can find you.
3: Uh, as uh, Mark mentioned I'm on Twitter at bsharecohen uh, I write for Causeway Crowd I talk with the uh, the Bruins over there and I write for the Hockey Riders as well so those uh, those two websites and on Twitter would be the the best place to find me and uh, you know, future uh, future black and gold podcasts that would also be a yeah, good place to find me
2: nice nice yeah uh, Brendan's a good follow and it's a good conversation on Twitter and I su- suggest you give him uh, a yeah. A look-see um, I'm at black and gold 277 on Twitter Rob is at Rob 40 Bruins on Twitter we encourage you guys to continue the feedback um, reach out to us on Twitter or Facebook or any means of social media we love talking hockey and you know but I think that's gonna do yeah. it
1: yeah thanks for coming on again Brendan thanks that for really having me good, yeah
2: Brandon that was really good awesome shelter. that went so fast
3: <laughs> yeah that <laughs> just crazy. flies
2: also you nailed Rob's uh, Twitter handle I did too yeah I, I, always, I always get the stutter when I get to the 40 I don't know why that's my favorite number I know it so easily now, just because I remember that discussion you're like Rob uh, and now I just know it like,
3: if I think Rob on Twitter I'm thinking it's Rob 40 Bruins like it's not even a thought in my mind it's, I know yeah. that as well as I know the Bruins team <laughs> <laughs> awesome. that is
1: that is my shameless pr- plug at being a Tuca Rask fan <laughs> I just leave it there just in the middle oh it's uh, Tuca
3: Rask That's, I couldn't tell
2: <laughs> <laughs> alright guys thank you very much for listening and again uh, go on to iTunes give us a rating and a comment if you would and any other podcatcher that you currently use we appreciate it and we will talk to you soon thank you very much everybody see ya
0: For tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please join us next week for another discussion of Bruins hockey related material.